I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters, and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Welcome to This Song Is Yours, your go-to music podcast for in-depth conversations with artists, musicians and creatives about their songwriting craft and upcoming projects. I'm your host, Simon Fink, and I'm excited to welcome you to episode 304. Today, we've got something truly special in store for you. The British indie band Bombay Bicycle Club is here to share insights about their latest record, The Big Day. This album is an instant classic and it features collaborations with the likes of Shaka Khan, Damon Albarn and Holly Humberstone. It is a lovely sonic journey that you're not going to want to miss. Before we dive into our conversation with Bombay Bicycle Club, please make sure you subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or your preferred platform. Also, you can stay updated with all things This Song Is Yours by following us on social media. You'll find all the details in the show notes for today's episode. Our guest today is Bombay Bicycle Club. They've been a force in the indie music scene for years, captivating audiences with their distinctive blend of electronic and indie rock music. They've continually pushed boundaries and they've left an indelible mark on the industry. And I can see that the big day is set to be another milestone in their career. In this episode, we're speaking with bassist Ed Nash about the making of The Big Day, their incredible collaborations, and the artistic evolution of Bombay Bicycle Club. It's a captivating discussion that sheds light on their creative process and the magic behind their songs. The Big Day is out right now, and we've left links in the show notes for you to grab your copy. We'd also like to extend a heartfelt thank you to Liv from Positive Feedback for her help with today's episode. Without further ado... Let's jump into our conversation with Bombay Bicycle Club. Please welcome to This Song Is Yours, Ed Nash from Bombay Bicycle Club. Ed, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me. My absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for your time and joining us on the pod. I very much appreciate it. Yeah, anytime. Uh, It's uh, an incredibly exciting time at the moment. My Big Day, which is the sixth studio record from Bay Bicycle Club, is out right now. Firstly, congratulations on the the brand new record. Thank you. It's been, um, this one's been a long time coming. It's good to have it out. (laughs) I can only imagine how long has this one kind of been in the works for you guys? This one has been, it's about three years, which I guess all things considered isn't super long. Well, it's less long than our last one, but it just felt like a very, very long time. What with coronavirus and not being able to do anything. So we were kind of thinking about this and tinkering away with it for a very, very long time. And now it's out, you know, over that time, we didn't have anything else to do. We weren't playing any other shows. So this was the, the sole focus. Look, I can very much appreciate that. Are you um, 
some musicians that we've spoken to, especially throughout the pandemic, I guess, what's the expression, like busy fingers or in terms of like if you've got the music, you can't do anything with it, are you likely to revisit it and kind of tinker or alter it in any way? Um, I mean, I, I think we're probably always guilty of doing that. <laughs> I don't know if that's pandemic um, specific to us. We produce with this one ourselves, and this is the second album we've done ourselves. But if you if you have that, you have infinite possibilities for for busy fingers, whatever it's called. You know, you can tinker away until someone tells you to stop, or someone needs to tell you to stop. You. So, um, yeah, I don't think that's pandemic specific for us. <laughs> More just um, just a symptom of producing our own music. I think one hundred percent. This is the. I think it's the fifth studio record, if I'm correct. I think it's the sixth, but you might be right. I'm, I've kind of lost count by this this point. We've done, um, yeah, we did four and then we took a hiatus. Then we put one out at the beginning of 2020, which kind of, it feels like a bit of a, a lost album that we put it out. And then a couple of weeks later, everything shut down. So that was five and then this is six. I apologize. I might've got my, um, my numbers wrong on that one. Um, with that, I guess it's it's not the first or second record. You guys are somewhat seasoned pros at this point. Is there um is there any nerves around releasing like records at, at this point for you guys? Um, I I guess so. Yeah, I mean, you always you want people to like it, and you think it's really good yourself. So um, you know, whenever you make a record, it's yours, and only you and a very small amount of people are listening to it and you think it's the best thing ever otherwise you wouldn't be doing it and it gets to a stage when it's finished and you've done the best you can as i said before you know you tinker away with it and then it's not yours anymore and you put it out and you can't do anything about it and that is nerve-wracking and i i imagine that will always be nerve-wracking you know it's inevitably some people are going to love it and some people are going to hate it and that's it's a, a difficult thing when you spend so long on something and you you kind of put everything into it. One hundred percent. This brand new record, My Big Day, um, it is a fantastic collection of songs. I one thing that I think that um, Bombay Bicycle Club is is guilty of is always kind of you guys have never really. I don't. I'm not even stagnated. I think it's that you've always kind of attempted to keep albums fresh, and while it's still very much a Bombay record you guys are definitely exploring new sonics with each. Is that kind of discussed before you start writing the songs or is that something that you just happen to find organically in the studio while you're, you're kind of playing around with them? It's never discussed, though it's understood that that's kind of what's going to happen at this stage. You know, as you say, earlier on in our career, we, we started off as fairly normal alternative rock band and then as we, and we were very young too, so as we grew up and got interested in other kinds of music, we very quickly diversified and, and tried a, a, a whole bunch of other things. You know, we made a folk record very early on in our career and then a kind of hip-hop sample-based record. So I think having that kind of history means that when we get into the studio now, nothing's off bounds. You know, I can imagine with other bands that are just starting out, if someone came in with a a hip-hop sample or a big riff or something and it wasn't in keeping with what they were doing before, they might have a discussion about it. Whereas, you know, we're, we're pretty open to, to, to anything. And 
it's you know we we don't all listen to kind of alternative guitar music exclusively so when you're talking about other influences there's there's so many that we're excited about and listening to they kind of naturally come in and we don't really think twice instead is i guess what is that songwriting dynamic like then when you are in the studio like i know that um i think that it's a little bit of a cliche but it's usually the front man that is the the primary songwriter for yourselves is that the case or is it a bit more of a um a democratic <laughs> kind of situation where you all bring in songs it's um i don't know maybe maybe this is foolish to think you you can have both of those things but um it is driven by jack our singer and songwriter but I would also say it's it's quite democratic and it's become maybe more democratic as we've gone on. You know, he will send a song over and sometimes it can be a complete song and sometimes it can be a, a verse or a snippet or even kind of a beat. And then everyone will have their say and we'll kind of pass ideas back and forth, especially now we're producing it ourselves. Everyone has their own studio, you know, I'm kind of sitting in my room messy looking studio here but, you know you kind of you start to chip in ideas you start to mess around with it um and for the most part it's always his song and his idea that everyone's kind of contributing on but everyone has a voice if that makes any sense mm-hmm. you know the kind of the mothership of the soul is jack in his studio but everyone has input and it's kind of consistently changing and, and evolving as the songwriting process goes on I I know that where was it? I think I did read somewhere recently that it is as you've kind of said that it's it's Jack driving it, but everyone that has involvement in it and a say in it. I think one of the tracks of this record was built from uh, from a sound check. I think it was "I Want to Be Your Only Pet" was built from just mucking around. Well, that I guess that might be um, an example of it being democratic and a and a wider thing than just one person. He was playing a riff in the sound check. I think literally just to test the sound of that guitar and Jamie, our guitarist, thought it was quite good. So he recorded it on his phone. And then I think a couple of weeks or months later, sent him the voice memo. And he was like, oh, you should do something with this. So then from that voice memo, <laughs> a song came in. And then, you know, the song comes with it. And then you have the next round of everyone kind of passing ideas and thoughts back and forth before you then go into the final studio. So yeah, it it is quite incremental, really, and you you never know where a song's going to come from, whether it's a sound check or a voice memo or something. I do love that. I think um, I I was also reading that another song, well, maybe not the the catalyst for the song itself, but um, there is collaboration across this album. There's a few guests that I kind of want to get into, but I think that um, this single "Driving" with Holly Humberstone came from her reaching out to you guys about kind of songwriting. Mm. Jack did a did a day of songwriting with her and a guy called Rob Milton who does a lot of songwriting in his studio and I I don't know what came of that I think there's probably a song on her EP or album that was was part of that session then we had another song called Diving and we'd worked on it for probably about two years and never been able to crack it and we got to the final stage when we we're in the studio and Jack was like actually I think Ollie would be great on this song um, because they, they'd had this working relationship before and we knew what her voice would sound like and it. We got her in the studio and it, it finished the song off. It's amazing how 
incomplete it was. You know, it's the same song, same arrangement, but without her, it just wasn't the same thing. It didn't, it didn't get it, it, it is always funny how the like most minor change can kind of add a much larger dimension than you would expect to a song. So um, it is a brilliant track and, yeah, Holly adds such a beautiful piece to that. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> of course. Uh, as I mentioned, there is collaboration across this record. We've got Holly, um, there's Damon Alban, I think there was Jason. I know that there's a special guest that I don't think is announced. I think by the time the record comes out, people might know. Are you able to share with us who it might be that's joining on the record? I have no idea if I'm allowed to, so I won't. But what I will say is <laughs> if if someone's listening to this and our record's out, go and, go and check it out because there is a very spectacular special guest. <laughs> Someone, I mean, you know, you said Damon Auburn in the lead up to that and he's one of our all-time favourite artists, but this person's even more special than that. So it's really, it's really quite something. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Um, and full disclosure to the listener, um, we are having this conversation a month or so out from the record. I did learn who the guest was today um, and I, I'm super excited to hear this because I think the two artists meeting, um, it's going to be fantastic. So I think um, next time you're on, let's have a chat about how this transpired because I would love to know that as well. <laughs> okay. It, it's, uh, it's a pretty spectacular guest. It's wacky. Done very, very well, yes. We won't push any further on that guest. In, uh, about guests in general, do you have, um, I guess, what is the process of, I know that Holly one kind of happened organically because Jack was working with songs on her. For some of those other guests, is it a thing of that you're, you've previously worked with them and you've reached out to them or it's like a wish list kind of thing? What, what's the go with how you pick um, features? Well, it's never, I think with us it's important that it's never cynical or for the sake of having, having a big name or a feature on it. All of the um, the guests on this record have a purpose, and we've had some pre-existing relationship with them. Apart from the big secret, um, uh, yes, <laughs> yes, we we've never we've never hung out with her before. But you know, we it, it has to kind of suit the song. Like, you find a lot of people doing features for the sake of it, and you listen to the song, and you're like, well, it's cool that they're on it, but you can either barely hear them, or it didn't really lend anything to it. And in some cases, I think kind of detracts from it. But people have done it for the sake of a big feature. Um, so everything on this record was for a purpose, you know, with the, the song with Holly, we were trying to finish the song and added that lift and she's someone that we've worked with before. We played um, a festival last summer with Nilifan, Yanya, and... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. 
Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Again, thought she would be perfect on the song, but I, I don't think we would have approached her completely cold. You know, we, it, it's nice to have a pre-existing relationship. And I think that's what we've always done too, you know. We always had features when it benefited the song, but didn't really, didn't do it for the sake of it. 100%. I think that for a lot of popular music, there does tend to be, as you've kind of said, this thing of you get someone on a feature just for a, um, not for a vanity reason, but for, for not for an organically kind of contributing to the song reason. And I think that uh, having had listened to the record, um, I think all the guests kind of contribute quite well to um, to the songs that they are on. Mm. That's good. <laughs> I did kind of want to ask because I think the one with Nilfayenya uh, was my favourite track on the record. It was called uh, Meditate and then it does kind of go into this second track. Um, I, I've got the full name so to make sure I can pronounce it correctly. Rural Radio Predicts the Rapture. How did this kind of song come about and, and what was the inspiration between turning it into like two tracks essentially? Um, I think you can only do, um, for, for anyone that hasn't heard the record yet, the, the two songs are wildly different from one another. The first one's kind of a desert rock, um, kind of riff based song. And the second one is fast electronic. I would call it UK garage, maybe mm. something along that kind of PC music style stuff. And they fit together. I think seamlessly, but in terms of genres, they are very, very different. Um, I think that that kind of stuff comes about if you're producing and making a record yourself and you're not restricted by studio time. You know, we'd recorded the two songs and the first one, the Desert Rock one, has a big, long kind of deer hunt for the outro, which we love doing. And then we had this other song and I think we were playing them in a rehearsal room together trying to work out where the other one would go on Rural Rapture would go on the record and I noticed that they were in the same key, you know, and you just need a little spark like that, you know, okay, they're in the same key, so potentially they could work together and then you start fiddling around a bit and a couple of weeks later, you know, you have a song <laughs> that is this nine-minute genre-crossing epic. But, um, yeah, I think I think things like that come about from a lot of a lot of tinkering and things like that, you know. 100%. Um, I'd love to know, I guess, your introduction to music, where you started writing music and I guess how you got involved with Bombay. Uh, I basically loved playing guitar and specifically ostentatious kind of guitar solos when I started learning music. So when I was like 12, 13, all I wanted to do was be in Guns N' Roses or you know, Led Zeppelin or something like that. And I spent a huge amount of time learning kind of note-for-note guitar settlings, which I think is a lot of people's way into music, you know, that kind of bravado or extreme version of doing something. So that's, um, I guess that's really how I, I learned and got into it. And then, you know, you cross the threshold from being 13, 14 into a more mature teenager and realise that actually it isn't about how many notes you play, it's about what you're doing, but then maybe, maybe less is more. So I kind of went from there. 
and started listening to people like Elliot Smith and Nick Drake, you know, the complete other end of, of the spectrum and really renounced that <laughs> over the top last time. And then with the Bombay Bicycle Club, we, we just, we all grew up in North London, around the corner from here. So they started Bombay Bicycle Club and I was playing in another band at the time. And it was kind of the, the indie, I guess people call it indie sleeves kind of thing mm-hmm. going on at the time. So there was a real scene and um, they just, they asked me to play bass in the band because I was around and they knew I played. So that's really how it all came together. It's very natural. Yeah. And I, you know, I was 15 at the time. Everyone else was 15 too. I've been doing the same thing ever since. So, you know, school band really. I love that though. I think that there's this beautiful tradition of, it seems to be a lot of British and Australian bands, not so much US, but like a lot of high school friends actually becoming quite successful with like indie rock or indie pop or just indie records in general, which um. I love because I think the chemistry, you can hear it, it's palpable on on those kind of records. For sure. And it, I guess it's the kind of music, you know, I said earlier, we started off as an alternative guitar band. I guess you kind of do that through necessity because you can get two guitars, a bass and a drum kit together pretty easily and then <laughs> yeah. make something of that. And you, you don't have samplers or computers or anything like that at that age, but you're, you're making do with what you've got. Exactly, exactly. Um, I know that the band, I think you've begun playing some shows in support of the record. I think there's been some festival sets in the last month or so. Yeah, yeah, we we played kind of UK and European festivals. And then we did a little karaoke tour, which is one of the weirdest <laughs> things I've Have you heard about that? No, please, please uh, describe to myself and to the listeners what exactly is the karaoke tour. So we um, we wanted an incentive to buy, or in fact the record they wanted an incentive for people to buy our album so we thought we'd do something a bit different um people who bought the record got tickets to a karaoke show which was a Bombay Bicycle Club karaoke show where we were the the backing band basically <laughs> and people in the crowd got up and sang Bombay Bicycle Club songs so we just we went through our set and then people would come up and you know sing their favorite songs with their friends it's a really really like joyous and chaotic night <laughs> I was going to say, I imagine that it kind of covers the spectrum of like happiness. I imagine some craziness. Um, is there, I guess, thinking um, and you, and not having to give too much thought to it, is there a performance that stands out that's, that's burnt into your memory? From that, uh, yeah, was, there was a couple. And there, there was a couple of performances, but there, there was also a couple that came up and they did a, a song called Luna together. And, you know, they weren't particularly good. They weren't bad. I think it was like karaoke. It was fun. And afterwards they came up to us and they were like, that meant the world to us. We, um, we walked down the aisle to that song at our wedding and it was amazing to come up and, you know, sing that with you guys. So you have a lot of personal experiences that people had their first date coming to see us or they walked down the aisle or named their children after not us, but our songs. <laughs> <laughs> There aren't many kids walking around with Ed. <laughs> hey, we, you don't know the effect that you are having on people, but <laughs> um, I absolutely love that. That's gorgeous and very heartwarming. Um, I, I was wanting to know, I guess, can we expect to see Bombay Bicycle Club 
down in Australia at any point in support of this brand new record? We 100% want to. It's our favourite place to tour, genuinely, and are trying to. And I, I think we get 98% will. The problem is the amount of time and the distance away from from the UK. Mm-hmm. So it's trying to... I, th- I think we're going to try and, and play one of the, the festivals, whether that be, you know, you know Splendor, Bruven and Millia, actually, you know, Falls, something like that. Um, I don't know. I mean, we haven't got offers from any of those places, but the, the intention is to uh, come and do some kind of shows around um, festival season. Beautiful. I'm very glad to hear that. I do have to ask that you please stipulate if they're going to fly you out that they do the karaoke tour as well because I'm sure that there are some Australian fans who would get on board. Maybe we should just do a karaoke tour of Australia. If that's the case, I can I can help organise that. You leave it with me. <laughs> um, Ed, we would usually ask our guests what they're currently listening to. Is there anything at the moment that um, is currently on high rotation for yourself? Uh, I mean... I don't just go Australian bands. Like, there's so many good Australian bands at the moment. There's that band, pardon my language, what are they called? Tropical Fuckstorm, mm-hmm. who are fantastic. Um, Emerald and the Sniffers, we played a festival down the other day. I loved it. Um, but, I mean, this is a very old school deep cut one, but I've been listening to them quite a bit. It's a band called Twerks. You know them? Mm-hmm. I think they're from Melbourne or something like that. A lot of a lot of Australian bands and heavy rotation at the moment, but particularly tropical bucks wind. I love that, and I, I obviously we're very lucky with some of the talent we have here. I feel like some of the more well-known people usually go for Tame Impala or um, your uh, whoever it may be. I love that it was Amel and the Twerps. That was a deep cut, so I'm very impressed by that. That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, a lot of a lot of the best guitar music right now is is coming from Australia. I think, in fact, I would say almost all of the best guitar music. That is very lovely praise. Which um, I, I look, there is good guitar music coming from a lot of places. I, I won't to, to uh, what is it deny the acts what they're doing, but um, I very much appreciate that, that comment on behalf of them, um, Ed. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. I do appreciate it. Congratulations on my big day, which is out right now. Um, we'll make sure there's links in the podcast for people to purchase the record and stay up to date when uh, hopefully some tour dates are announced from you guys. Nice one. Thank you so much, Ben. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.